my city on lock, all my shit still knock. Told you my shit won't flop. Yeah, I got hits like pop. Now nah, my shit won't stop. Got my city on lock. Came from the bottom, nigga. Now I'm sitting on top. Got my city on lock. All my shit still knock. Trapped in Austin podcast. No, man. I mean, it's it's been interesting for sure. I it's just it in a weird way. It kind of doesn't feel like we've been doing this that long, but then at the same time, it kind of does. Like obviously, we've kind of slowed down with the with the content a little bit the last few months. But and life happens, yeah, dude. I, yeah, life happens. But I feel like we'll find a groove, man. Like as the year goes on, where we'll be able to uh, kind of at least get a couple episodes out a month. That's always kind of been my goal. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to sometimes find a way to. Yeah. It is. You've got your uh, professional life. I've got mine, you know, without getting too much into detail. But, you know, it's just like there's a lot going on in both of our lives. It requires a little more energy than probably we'd like to give. But, you know, yeah, prevents us from being as consistent as we'd like. And it definitely does weigh on me that we don't um, get as many episodes out as quickly as possible. Um, But you know, it's, it's a labor of love, man. I'm glad to do it. Yeah, I know. It's been, it's been uh, an interesting experience, dude. I mean, we have like people that listen to us and that motivates me to just keep doing it. You know, so, It's I mean, probably like stop. 20 psychologists listening to us. Like, just like the fuck is wrong with these people where they're their case study. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, but I think we got a good thing going here, man. There's not a lot of people doing what we do relative to austin uh you know just like a couple of guys keeping it real talking about shit they want to talk about there's no agenda we don't have a niche we're just talking about life no political bias just cold cold hard truth coming straight from the atx (laughs) hey man with how big the city is getting i think we're on to something with this so i'm not i'm not staying off the gas anytime soon no, I, 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 you know, and I say that in tongue in cheek, but uh, I, I, I would say that you know we, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed uh, this ride that you've, you know, created for us. Um, I, you know, looking back, I'm also really thankful for you know the collaborations that we've had, and hopefully we can, you know, throw some people back in the mix, you know, in the next episode or two. It's been, it's been overall a really good experience. So I can't, I can't complain. Yeah. No, man, I definitely, uh, I plan on staying on the gas for sure. You know, I'm not slowing down with this anytime soon. I got a couple of interviews coming up. I'm excited about that. So we'll just keep putting out content, man. I mean, there's, what's great about this show is we can put out it, put out, you know, episodes as we please. We don't have to answer to anybody. It's kind of nice being able to kind of, you know, we control our own destiny with this, which is pretty fucking cool. You know, it is. And if uh, Spotify CEO executives are listening to this, we are willing to sell out. So come grab- <laughs> exactly, <laughs> come grab yeah. this pot, you know, podcast property while you can. Nah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess there's probably not a whole lot to discuss this episode but we'll uh there's a few things so i you know obviously this is kind of south by season and to my knowledge i haven't really read anything about it 
I don't know if they're, I'm assuming they're probably doing some virtual stuff, you know, for some of the speakers, like the keynote speakers that they have that come talk. Um, So I'm sure there's probably something along those lines going on. But yeah, I mean, this is like the second year in a row where they're not having it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm just speculating at this point, because obviously South by is a pretty big entity. They do employ a lot of people. Yeah. Um, seasonal. Jobs. I know when, yeah. When, you know, this happened last year, I think they had to lay off like half their staff. I don't even know if they're even like, who knows what's going on internally inside that organization. But yeah, I feel bad for a lot of those folks. Cause I mean, their, their jobs were solely predicated on this event going on every single year, like clockwork. And here we are year two it's not going down but in a weird way it's bittersweet for me man because i've kind of had a love-hate relationship with south by the past like 10 years or so and so obviously it's not the same as it was when you and i were growing up um i just don't think there's enough space here to really facilitate that kind of event anymore and honestly it's one of those things where i'm not really that sad to see it go um, I know a lot of people would, that's probably an unpopular opinion, but, um, you know, <laughs> if, if, if we find out it never comes back, I'm, I'm not going to think twice about it. How honestly. dare you knock the job that allowed me to afford my overextended mortgage and car payment. Like, yeah. I, I, I get, I'm with you so much on that, dude. Like, we we don't like okay growing up like you could fit the amount of people that would come down to south by into sixth street you could fit them into south six or east sixth street like you it, it could work it was tight as is but it worked like there's no debate about it this austin population has exploded over the past 10 years whatever you want to call it wherever you want to benchmark it from um downtown can't support it man you know i think south by southwest is too important to our local economy to just you know whatever say see you with no no caution or care but i think the right place to do this is coda uh circuit of america tracks of america whatever the fuck that place is yeah I think setting up numerous stages that are just pretty much going around the clock 24-7 is the best way to go about South by at this point. Yeah, I I almost kind of feel like they would have to, you know, make it more concise and smaller in order to pull that off. Because, I mean, yeah, to, to, to hold an event of that magnitude at CODA, you would have to find a way... I guess if you were to do like the interactive part of it, you know, they could have some of that at like the convention center. Right. Well, that and whole they part could do all the music. Downtown. They could do all the music at Coda yeah. for sure. But which, you know, who, who knows, man, maybe that'll be, end up being how they go about doing it, which seems like the more, probably the smartest route. I agree. But, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I just think it's become too, too much of a powerhouse to really, hold an event what happened was is every single year there for a while it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and i think it got harder to regulate and it's almost like the whole city would shut down for it 
And I don't know, man, I always kind of like dreaded it because I haven't been in years. I probably stopped going to South by like five or six years ago. And I, every time, like when that time of year would roll around, I would just feel like the onset of anxiety of like, dude, I don't want to deal with this. Like it's going to be crowded. There's not going to be any parking anywhere. I basically wouldn't go anywhere downtown or drive anywhere in that direction that entire week just to avoid it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, if it doesn't come back, I'm not going to miss it. I know there's going to be a lot of really upset fucking yuppies and hipsters who are not going to be able to drink their free loan star. <laughs> um, but you know what? I don't really give a damn. It's, it's it's more of a nuisance than anything hey, at this point. Hey, bro, how how dare you judge me for wearing my high water pants and my glasses, drinking Lone Star, trying to pick up on women in sundresses that love hipsters? You know. Yeah, Fuck. exactly. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I I I can't I can't deal with it at this point. Maybe that's the old man coming out in me, and you know what? So be it. If it that is like. <clears throat> I just South by, you know, I don't miss it. And if it goes away, I won't miss it. I'm with you on that. I think we probably, if anything, have a little too many festivals going on in Austin. And I get, yes, it's good for the local economy, all that bullshit. Save me the sob story. It just makes living in this town a nightmare when those festivals go off. I think we're good with the ACL Fest. I think that's about as far as really we should take it in this town you know yeah i agree with you you know you know it's it's not like south by didn't have a nice run i mean there's a pretty rich history there as far as the music and just the event as a whole has a really solid history in regards to austin but yeah i mean sometimes you know things that come to an end like I said, South by had a really long run, man. What did it go on for? Like almost 30 years or something, maybe a little longer. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they actually do bring it back. But it's hard for me to believe after two years of it not happening. Um, and you know what, man? If, if they do decide to carry it on, like if it, if it, you know, if it's one of those things where they're like, you know, the show must go on, maybe they'll do it somewhere else outside of Austin. You know, maybe they'll do it somewhere out in the hill country somewhere. I don't know. I, I even heard rumors one time, like a few years ago that there was talks about moving it out to Fredericksburg or one of those kind of smaller, you know, kind of more touristy type places. That's not far outside of Austin. That would be kind of interesting if they were to try to move it out to a place like that. But I don't know, man. I, uh, I just at this stage of my life, you know, being a, a guy in his mid thirties, it just it's not something that really excites me anymore. Yeah, and I'm not one of those cats that you're gonna catch in my mid thirties, late thirties, early forties, dressed in a button up and blue jeans down there trying to, you know, prove that I'm still young. Like I've lived it. It was fun. That's a young man's game at this point. Like, good luck. I have no interest in staying out in those bars till 2 a.m., you know, hammered out of my mind trying to find the next band. Like, it just doesn't appease to me, appeal to me at this point. Well, I mean, in traditional South by fashion, it's it definitely was always way later than 2 a.m., man. You remember all those after parties? I don't you want go, to. You go hit the bars. 
Well, I mean, we definitely <laughs> went to some back in the day. You know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, man. You know, you, you know, they'd have all those, like, underground after parties downtown at, like, a bar until 5 or 6 in the morning. People selling, be... you know, water bottles full of vodka and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was all kinds of shit like that going yeah. on. And it was fun, man. I, I, I wouldn't I take a minute. Gnarly after parties now. I wouldn't take a minute of that back, man. It was all a blast. And I hope that kids these days and by kids i mean you know mid 20 whatever's you know i hope they get that experience because it was a blast and i i, I had so much fun doing it but just you know no interest in it anymore i'm a married man with a child you know you can get me out for acl fest that ends at 10 30 but uh and that's that you know each night like i'm good with that but South by is a little too narnar for me right now, and uh, I'm not gonna miss it if it goes away. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of music events, you know, they recently said that um, it looks like ACL Fest is gonna go down this year. Uh, it's scheduled. Who knows what will happen between now and when October rolls around. Uh, I was really shocked to hear that news, honestly, that they actually were going to go through with it this year, what the nuances of that are going to entail or what the protocols are going to be. You know, maybe they'll do like minimal capacity. My guess is at this stage, uh, they may even make you have to like prove that you were vaccinated even to go. Uh, ACL is a pretty large entity itself as well. Um, I had a couple thoughts in regards to this. So, to me, this just seemed like a reach, you know, like a financial reach. Like they're kind of putting their desire to have the revenue from that festival over like the health and safety of the actual attendees at the show, which isn't really surprising because I mean, that's just how capitalism is in a nutshell. Like they want to generate revenue. Um, but yeah, I, I was really surprised to hear that they were going to go through with that in October because I still don't think by the time October rolls around that, you know, I still think the vaccine is going to be a slow burn. I don't think everybody's going to be vaccinated at that point, um, which is fine. But at the same time, to go through with a show like that just seems kind of risky. Um, who knows, man, maybe they're going to like enforce masks. I'll tell you this right now. I'm not going to go to an outdoor show like that for three days in a row and like walk around outside with the mask on. That doesn't really seem too enticing to me, uh, nor fun. <laughs> so I, which part, which part, which part, the walking go. around without a mask in this situation or the whole thing in general, the whole thing. Like, I don't want to have to walk around with a mask on outside when it's like, you know, probably, 85 90 degrees well outside. so if covid wasn't a thing are you out on acl fest anyways no 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 i like acl it's always been kind of whether i go or not it's always been pretty contingent on like who's performing like i mean that year when you went when metallica and like deftones played a few years yeah. back i i didn't make it to that i would have loved to have gone because fuck man how many opportunities are you gonna get in your life to see metallica? or paul mccartney who knows how much longer i got to see yeah, yeah. who knows who knows how much longer Metallica is going to be touring, but it's going to be interesting to see um, who the lineup is going to be this year. I have a feeling 
that it's going to be a really condensed lineup. Uh, here's here's my hunch. And obviously, I have no idea on this. I'm just predicting. I think they're going to probably try to do like maybe half capacity. So they'll probably sell half the tickets they normally sell. And I think it's going to be like half the bands that they normally would book for it. So maybe they'll have like a few stages, but it's going to be like, you know, maybe five bands at each stage, like spread out throughout the day. They're going to get creative with it. I don't think it's going to be how you normally, how it normally is, where it's going to be like multiple bands playing simultaneously. I think they're going to do it to where, you know, they'll have like two or three stages. It might be like five bands per stage and they'll spread it out. And you're probably maybe going to have to wear a mask. And so if you're, if you're one of these people who's just like, gotta have it really gotta have it, gotta go. You don't care. You just really got to go to ACL. You're not going to just sit out another year. And there are people out there like that who are just dying for life. I'm, so I'm one of it. those people. Like I fucking, I live for live music and I want it to come back, but I'm not going to do something irresponsible to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So my guess is half capacity, probably going to enforce masks. And I think it's going to be like maybe a third of the bands that you normally would see on the bill. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they do it, man. I, I think it's going to be a way more condensed version than what we're normally used to saying. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I don't, well, I don't know if I, and let me say, I think that's reasonable. I think that they're going to still try to cram as many people in there as possible. I do think that the COVID passport or whatever you want to call it is going to be a huge requirement for it. I think that you're right as far as probably condensing it. I don't think they're going to be doing the 11 a.m. till 10.38 p.m. You know, come get you some of this COVID exposure for... 12 hours straight or whatever, you know, I think that it'll probably be spaced out and, you know, they'll try to do as much as they can to like keep those crowds as minimal as possible. I think ticket right prices this year are probably going to be insane based on the fact that there's probably going to be a massive demand for it. People are just itching in this town to get back to any semblance of life. So I imagine when those tickets drop, It'll go up. You're going to see a lot of like more second market activity for ACL Fest than you would in normal years. I think all these festivals until COVID goes away is really going to be a luxury of the people who like are really wealthy. I think it's just going to turn into a bidding war more or less. Yeah, Yeah, I could see that. I could see the tickets being really expensive because it's probably they're not going to sell as many of them because they're not going to want as many people out there. The availability is not going to be there. So, yeah, I mean, the people who are going to like, yeah, there's going to be a surcharge on those tickets and people who are going to buy them and resell them um, probably are going to make a lot of money. But, yeah, like you said, it's going to be people of a higher socioeconomic demographic who are going to that aren't going to give a shit about paying. Six hundred dollars for yeah. Well, there was you know face you know ticket face value of like you know three hundred bucks. Just like I don't know, (laughs) it's it's gonna be ridiculous. I think that 
that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother convers you know episode is as far as just like the affordability of like enjoying all the things that made Austin Austin you know skyrocketing at some point I think we're in the midst of that I think ACL will be one of the first things that you see happen see happen that way but um yeah you know, it's, I, I just think that this is going to be one of those luxuries of the, you know, upper class, upper socioeconomic, and you see it spill over to other things like, you know, with the, uh, the Chappelle Rogan tickets, like normally that probably, yeah. you know, before all this hit, that probably cost you 150, you know, a hundred to 150 bucks to go see, like, you know, now you're having to drop 600 bucks to go see that shit like you know it's yeah. just yeah and and you have to buy right. a whole table well, that's why it's, it's like 200 you know you 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 if you were a young man and you had a date and you wanted to impress your date and you wanted to take her out somewhere you know like really cool you could probably get away with doing that for 300 bucks and like you know you'd look like a prince but now it's like 600 bucks gets you in the door because you've got to buy a table. And then, you know, it's just, you know, social events. That's not including, that's not including yeah. drinks, no, right? it's not like, at all. Like all social it. events in yeah. Austin are becoming like, uh, you know, just a matter of like, I, I, can you, you get into the bidding war? Can you fucking, you know, can, can you afford to go toe to toe with these people who, probably have an amex black card that don't even think twice about you know yeah spending that kind of money and it sucks for people you know and back to the point i just think that's kind of how acl fest is going to go this year i think you're going to see a lot of people there that maybe wouldn't be there in years past and you're going to see a lot of people that would have been there years past not being there this year so yeah no, I agree with you on that for sure. Um, I know you recently got the COVID vaccine. Uh, talk to us about that experience a little bit, man. What was that like, you know, getting it? The I know that you kind of had some pretty gnarly side effects from it. Um, Ooh, child. It. What, was that it? what was that whole that, experience that was like? A, that was a nightmare. So I got it on a Thursday and walking into Thursday night, I could definitely feel that's now. Is this your first shot, or second, second shot? shot? What are we? Yeah, doing? So, okay. When did you get the first uh, shot? You get the timeline. Sometime in February, I want to say February 11th. Uh, my dates may be okay. off just a hair there, um, but it was sometime in February. So go back uh, exactly three or thirty days later, get the second shot. That night, I knew I was in for a fight. I hadn't felt it, like, the full wrath of it yet, but I could definitely feel the the lack of energy, just, like, a really gross feeling setting in. I get up the next morning. I feel reasonable enough, you know, like. So that night, that night when you got the second vaccine, you felt like kind of an onset of it. I wasn't aware of what I was about yet, to right? walk into. Yeah. And so okay. I next morning, get up, I'm feeling okay. I it actually kind of left my mind. I was in my, you know, normal routine of coffee, music, 
all that good shit. Um, you know, talking to all my friends at work and everything. And I, about midday, it just like the hammer dropped and, you know, I, and I just felt like I just caught the worst flu in the world. And, you know, I could tell I was running a fever. The side of the injection was getting burning hot, like blistering hot. And so I get off work. I go to the room. I lay down. And that's really when things got just really bad. Like, I I, I can't explain it. You know, you as someone who had COVID, and I know we want to talk about that later, but... um you know, and I can't even imagine what you felt like, but this was just like the worst flu I've ever received, gotten, you know, times 10. The room was spinning. I was hot and cold all at the same time. Uh, I had some digestive issues. Take that as you will. Uh, lots of, you know, momentary, you know, feeling like I was about to throw up, dry heaving, stuff like that. Um yeah, it was Damn. it was brutal. Were you drinking? Were you drinking water? Like, do you think? Oh uh, no, because I was what? sucking down Powerade pretty pretty rapidly, man. So I was pretty well hydrated, um, making sure to get enough electrolytes, Powerade, water, um, making sure to making sure to force myself to eat. That was a big one. Like, I was not hungry, but I knew I had to eat. So you know, sucking down soups and crap like that, and. It was bad, man. Like, I, I, I could, like, for that Friday night, Saturday morning, like, I was struggling to even find the strength to get out of bed. Like, I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get out of bed Friday night. I, I mustered enough strength to get into the shower and then, you know, straight back to bed. And, uh, man, I, I, I just think I warn anyone that, like, is going to get the vaccine. And I still think people need to get the vaccine. Like, don't take this as a PSA to not get the vaccine. Like, and I'm not going to sit here and lecture you if you're morally opposed to it for whatever got off. I know you've heard the story a few times um, offline, but I know the listeners haven't really heard it yet. So yeah, I mean, I ended up getting, I ended up testing positive for COVID-19 January 18th, which was a Monday. I took the test, I believe, the 16th, like the Saturday before. Got the results back a couple days later. But I got tested. So when I first started feeling bad, I thought it was allergies for a while. Like, I didn't want to jump to conclusions because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, if this was COVID, this was going to be way worse than this. And I didn't have a fever. And so, I mean, all the stories that we've heard previously, it seemed like fever was kind of like the benchmark to go off of. And so when I felt crappy, I didn't like just immediately want to freak out and go run, rush and get a COVID test. Plus, I was really busy at the time and I didn't really want to deal with trying to schedule it. So I was like, I'm just going to kind of wait this out a little bit and see what happens. And um, I started feeling bad like around the 7th kind of like an onset of it, but it never broke into a fever. I kind of had some like nasal congestion. It just felt like a mild cold. And then progressively what had happened was I, I lost my sense of taste and smell. And it wasn't like, you know, when you have a cold and your nose is stuffed up and you can't really smell anything anyway, this wasn't like that. This was like clear nasal cavity. 
I could bury my nose into a candle and I couldn't smell anything, dude. It was so trippy. And so I knew at that point, I was like, all right, I got to go get a test. And you and I were supposed to record that Saturday. And so when Friday rolled around, I'm like scrambling last minute, like, oh shit, I need to go get a COVID test. Cause obviously I didn't want you coming to my house to record if I had COVID. And so I remember I somehow was able to get a test on that Saturday. I think you and I canceled our recording that night. And then I got the results back that following Monday. Uh, Yeah, it was weird, man. I'm like laying in bed Sunday night. It's like all of a sudden 1 a.m. hits. I get this text on my phone and it was from CBS saying your results are ready. So this is 1 a.m. Sunday night, you know, Monday morning. I log into my phone and boom, it's COVID-19 positive. I was like, it was kind of a surreal moment, dude, because I just didn't really think that it was ever going to happen to me. I think it's one of those things where like, it's, it's kind of like with anything that could be detrimental to your health, you're kind of like, Oh, that won't happen to me. And then it, it ends up happening. So it was kind of, kind of a surreal moment because I was always one of those people who like wore my mask and took it seriously. And yeah, man, I think I just like, where I think I may have gotten it was I had went out to a bar, I think the 4th or 5th of January. It was like the only time I had gone out like in months and uh, went to a karaoke bar. There was a lot of people in there. I think I contracted it that night because a few days later, I kind of started to notice the onset of the symptoms. Um, I don't know for sure where it came from, but I suspect that it had something to do with that night when I went out. And um, yeah, man, it ended up being COVID. But what's interesting is I kind of had gotten tested I think late into the experience because what's weird is like when I got, I don't, and some of this may have been psychological, but when I found out I was positive, it was almost like I felt more sick. It was weird. I think I may have psyched myself out a little bit, but one thing that I dealt with was, so I got the results back that Monday, by the time Friday rolled around, I started to feel a lot worse, man. Like I had absolutely no energy. I remember I was like doing some work around the house. I think I was cleaning or something. And I just like had to, I immediately had to go sit on the couch. Like I had shortness of breath. I had absolutely no energy. I even felt faint at one point. It was a weird experience. And then I ended up getting chills. And so a lot of people may not know this, but like fever and chills are a completely different thing. They feel very similar, but like I was super cold. Like my, my palms and my hands were sweating. The bottom of my feet were sweating. But I, I checked my temperature multiple times throughout the day, and I never had a fever. I just remember laying in bed, like, bundled up. I had, like, all the covers on me, and I was, like, shivering because I was so cold. And I just remember sitting there thinking, like, man, I really hope this doesn't get worse because the last thing I wanted to do was go to the hospital because I did not want to have to deal with, deal with that bill, man. My, my health insurance is not great. <laughs> um, Girl last said. thing I want to deal with, dude, is – Get, having to go to the ER for that shit, and then you end up getting some twenty thousand dollar bill a month later. Pay up, dead so, <laughs> Yeah, seriously. So, I just remember laying there, man. I took a nap for a few hours. I woke up. The chills were kind of gone, but I still had some kind of residual, you know, symptoms. Like I still kind of had the sweaty palms. I never had a fever, but I just had no energy, man. Like I and I still like would get like shortness of breath sometimes. Uh, luckily my taste and smell came back eventually, but yeah, I mean, if anything, this is what I would tell people like, look, 
you're probably not going to die if you're healthy, but just the whole experience as a whole is extremely inconvenient because you just, I felt really out of it for about three weeks. Like the totality of the experience was just really um, inconvenient. And so if anything, like if you don't give a shit and you don't care that you kind of feel like shit for three weeks and you don't care that you may not be able to like work or be around people, um, go for it. That's your choice. But yeah, I mean, you know, for guys like you and I who live pretty busy lives, um, it wasn't a fun thing to deal with, dude. It was frustrating. So I say all that to say this, like, Hey, take it seriously. It's real. Um, and it sounds like you and I kind of had some similar symptoms. Yeah. I think mine maybe not as long and is not as, uh, I, I don't know if they were as intense. Like what I went through is hell. I couldn't even imagine what the real thing feels like. And if that's what it feels like, then like, uh, like it, it was bad. It was really bad. And I think that most people, uh, from what I read, won't get the side effects that I got from the vaccine. Um, but if you choose to go get the vaccine, like, understand that there is you know a very real possibility that maybe uh in for a fight i was yeah so what was the total duration of time that you felt bad and also my other question is did you deal with any shortness of breath yeah i did oh friday night i was gasping i couldn't catch myself um sunday afternoon is when i really came out of it so it was like from Friday to Sunday, I was like, you know, just wrecked. And Saturday uh, started to feel a little better. I could at least function. Um, and then Sunday morning woke up, felt like shit, you know, down the back half of that day. Um, started to feel a little better. And then by Monday morning, you know, I, I had still had a slight headache, but you know, I wasn't like dying or anything. So yeah. uh, You know, it definitely puts into perspective, you know, those that have suffered through it, what they probably have gone through. And it's, it's not a feeling I would wish on anyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man, the vaccine is just so unpredictable. Like some people get it, have no side effects. Um, you know, like Aaron got it, for example, for his job and he didn't end up, I don't think having any side effects from it. And you and, and you and him like are, are kind of similar stature, yeah. you know what I mean? Like y'all are bigger dudes. So it's kind of interesting that he didn't have any side effects, but, um, you know, it sounds like it kind of knocked you on your ass for a couple of days, but that's the thing, man. Like everybody kind of reacts to it differently. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad to know that it's, you know, going on, uh, what? eight, nine days. So I should be effectively in the clear at this point. I got the Moderna. So, uh, the main strain that's out there, I think it's like 94% perfect or effective. And they said, you know, they should have a booster coming out pretty soon to combat the various strains around town, uh, or that are, you know, starting to pop up. Um, so, you know, who knows, you know, maybe in a few months I'll be, I'll be one of those ones that can kind of ditch the mask and get back to life, you know, but we'll see how it plays out, man. Yeah. 
Um, that actually is uh, reminds me of a good topic. Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole like Greg Abbott lifting the mask restriction? Um, that's a nuanced conversation for sure. It is, and I don't want to do it disservice by just coming out and saying he's a moron for doing so. And you know, I I think it was a bad move. I think there's numerous factors at play here. I think that there under it all, there is some validity to his concerns as far as, you know, the economic damage that COVID has caused to Texas and all that good stuff. And yeah, there's a valid point there, but I will say that um, we're nowhere near ready for this. I mean, I don't know if you saw any of the videos coming out of South Padre this weekend for South or for spring break um, at the bar Clayton's. I'm very familiar with it. I used to, that would be the end stop for my motorcycle run. I'd sit out on the Clayton deck, have a beer before going back to wherever, you know, Harlingen, but you know, videos of Clayton's of these kids, like thousands of kids on the deck, just raging to whatever kind of music not a single one of them wearing a mask. And it's just like, this is the exact reason why this should not have, you know, happened. Like, I I understand that the whole, you know, idea that people are still going to do right, you know, without the government telling them what to do. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother time. If you want to get into personal responsibility, but I think everyone who is a intelligent and objective observer of human behavior and specific when they get into mass social situations, all common sense goes out the window and they nine out of 10 times will not do the right thing. And I think that's playing out in front of our eyes. And I think that's why what Greg Abbott did was premature short-sighted and you know just ultimately a bad move for texas yeah i i think it's i think it was nothing more than him just kind of trying to appease his base because he knows he's up for re-election i think in a year or two and he's got to do that man i mean this is he has to posture himself in this way to to kind of, you know, satisfy his base. You know, and I, I wonder I how much of it. I think, it's, I think it's nothing more than a political move. I don't, but also, you know, why it's kind of a smoke and mirrors tactic? Because Greg Abbott's not stupid. He did that to kind of posture himself in a way to satisfy his base. But he also knows that it's solely up to the discretion of the business. So that's what I mean. Like, I go out in public, dude. Most businesses are still requiring people to wear masks. Yeah, some of the bars probably aren't because maybe the guy who owns the bar is like a big Trump supporter and he doesn't give a fuck. You, you see some of that. Yeah. But for the most part, man, most businesses, most restaurants, grocery stores, they there's still the signs on the door. You have to have a mask on. People are still going to wear a mask. So I think he knew that him doing that was nothing more than just kind of like a you know, uh, like cry wolf kind of thing because he knows that he he knew it wasn't going to change much. So here's the thing out in Texas is obviously a really huge state. 
there's a lot of these really small towns all over Texas where you may have like a hundred people living in the town. Nobody probably wears a mask because it's all local business owners. They don't care. He knew in the big metropolitan areas though, he knew that it, nothing was going to change because again, it's up to the business owners, whether they're going to enforce that or not. And most of them want to protect their employees. They want to eliminate any kind of liability on their end. So he knew, man, it was nothing but kind of just like a surface kind of, surface level move he wanted to posture himself he knew there was really no kind of back like there was no foundation to that like he knew that it wasn't like he lifted that. i think a lot of people thought when he did that that it, everything was just going to go back to normal and you weren't going to have to wear a mask nope you're still having to wear one <laughs> greg abbott cannot enforce heb to remove their mask policy no it would totally go against his whole it would totally go against his whole party uh, identity for him to do that because the Republican party is solely about unregulated capitalism, not getting involved in small business, not deregulation. Don't get involved in business. They can't go tell a business that they can't enforce masks. He knows that. So again, it was nothing but a smoke and mirrors move because he knows he's up for reelection in a year or two. I don't know when it is, but uh, that was all political for him. You know, I and I wonder how much of it is also calculated risk as far as if it works out, you know, he he can say, well, I'm the genius that whatever. But if it blows up in his face, he could easily turn around and say, well, Biden didn't give us the proper support to you know, pull this off. This is Biden's failure, blah, blah, blah. I wonder how much of this in his mind is like a zero risk, you know, move for him. Yeah. No, it's a good point, man, because if shit does blow up, he's not going to. Greg Abbott, man, if you've watched the way Greg Abbott has handled this whole situation from day one, there has been absolutely no accountability on his, on his part. No, it's always someone you know else's what I'm saying? Like, like, no, it's always somebody else's fault. It's it's because he – and I think you remember this because we've talked about it on previous episodes where when all this first happened, it was like they didn't enforce masks right away. Then they did. Then he lifted it. Then they reinforced him again. And now we're back to this where he's lifting it again. So I'll tell you what. I don't think he's going to go back and enforce it again. It's just if shit hits the fan, he's going to just point at the president. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like you said, because it's easy for him to do that because he knows that's the thing, dude, about the Republican Party that really bothers me, or at least the people that vote Republican, because Greg Abbott knows that he could turn around and say, well, it was Biden's fault, even though Biden has nothing to do with it. Like Biden has nothing to do with what's going on in Texas. It's like that's a state's rights thing. Um but Greg Abbott can sit there and say, well, it's Biden's fault and his base is going to eat that up like it's fucking pie. Like they're going to love it because they're going to be like, it was Biden. You know, there's there's no there doesn't even have to be any. There's it, a liberal like, to that blame a foot. Even, Let's get him. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like that statement doesn't even have to be based in reality. And the, his base will still eat it up because they want to point the finger at a Democrat. That's how it works. I mean, anyone that's an objective, 
you know, observer will agree with you. I don't think there's any other way to, you know, really frame what goes on in this state. And I think that the sad part is he's not even the most disgusting individual in our, you know, leadership regime or whatever. He's he's a he's a populist guy. Like he's a guy that I think people like and will get behind. Um, there's a little bit of a Trump element going on here because he's not. There's not a really a political background, uh, much like Trump. And I realize that when people like this run for office, they're kind of like an enigma in their own way. It was the same with like you know when Ronald Reagan. But I think Reagan was like governor right before he became yeah, president. Yeah, he was. I think he, he was. was a governor but he was an actor California. when he was younger. Um, I was saying Reagan was an actor when he was younger, so he did have an entertainment background, but he kind of had that experience before he ran for, for president. But I don't know, man, I, I, I could see McConaughey maybe doing it in like his older years. I don't really look at him as a politician. Um, if anything, this may just be kind of a publicity ploy because he just released that book. And I know he's been going on a lot of kind of a media run with that, doing a lot of interviews with people. Um, he's made a really big spectacle about that book that came out. I'm sure you've heard about that. Yeah. The green light book. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really, I would it be interesting if he did. And I think people would vote for him. Sure. But do I think he wants to sacrifice his life, you know, his livelihood for public service? Uh, I don't know because when you're governor, it's kind of hard for me to believe that he's going to be able to run off and go do movies and do all these other things. So it would really be a question of, is he willing to put his entertainment career on hold to pursue a life in public service? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not really convinced of that. I think he is. I think that he's getting on this whole moral kick and I think that he sees it as the right thing to do. Um, you know, and whether it's actually the right thing to do or not is like a completely different topic. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would just say that it seems like he understands that there's power to be had. And I also think that there's a lot of things that go on in Texas that he morally, it, you know, feels that should be changed obviously he's been for a really long while a proponent of cannabis i think that's probably something he feels like should be changed here i'd be interested to see about his opinion on this whole gaming push which i think is going to go nowhere in texas at least at this point when you say gaming you mean like gambling, gambling and yeah gambling okay. like it seems to be picking up steam but I still think that that's going to go nowhere. I, I, I just think that maybe he wants to push Texas into a little more of a progressive culture. Um, yeah. And he, I guess, feels like that's the right thing to do. Just everybody falls into the, the dudism. Pretty much. Religion. Just like, yeah, man walk around in our robes man all right all right all right so me and christina have talked about this but could you could you imagine this city if we did legalize gambling and 
all of a sudden they were able to start popping out casinos all through downtown, up and down Lake, you know, Ladybird Lake, all sorts of shit. Like this town would like it feels like this town is built for that kind of situation as far as casinos, the glitz, the glam, like yeah. this town would absolutely skyrocket and explode. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, Austin already kind of has a chaos element to it anyway. And, you know, we, we've experienced that growing up here. I mean, the nightlife's pretty um, unparalleled in a lot of ways to some other places I've been. But I don't know, man. I mean, casinos just sound like it would just, just put it over the edge a little bit. I agree. I think that would be a final <laughs> kiss. I mean... If anything, I'd probably just be better that I wasn't in my 20s still, if that ever happened. Uh, well, I probably would have ended up dead, though. Yeah, I, I'll say it's probably a good thing, though. We probably would have spent every last cent we had at the craps table or blackjack or whatever. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Trapped in Austin Podcast.